0: Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Peter Brown's The Wild Robot series has captured the hearts of countless readers. I really wish it existed when I was in elementary school. These would have been the perfect books for me. Today's episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each Unraveler episode, a book creator takes us inside one of their books. Their inspirations, fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart. Unraveled. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Peter. In this episode, Peter answers my questions about his process, why he watches documentary films for research, and whether or not he was surprised to see how much kids would adore the wild robot. It is time to unravel the wild robot, Protex. Give us the quick elevator pitch. What is this new book about?
1: Uh, Well, the first book, The Wild Robot, is about a robot learning to survive in the wilderness. And she ends up making it her home. The second book is about Roz the robot finding her way back to her home in the wilderness on this island. And the third book is about Roz the robot protecting her home from this mysterious form of pollution that shows up, um, which the animals call the poison tide. And so it's all about Roz trying to figure out what's going on and trying to figure out what she can do to stop it and what lengths. We watch as she goes to extraordinary lengths to basically save everything that she loves from this mysterious poison tide that nobody can really figure out.
0: I'm really curious to know if it feels different at all writing a book about Raz. now that it has had so much success, so many readers have fallen in love with the story. there are probably a lot of different expectations coming from the world now than when you set out on this journey of creating <laughs> the first wild robot. So what is it like now, revisiting this world? that is loved by so many.
1: (laughs) Well, I like, thanks for putting it that way. Yeah, it's, I feel lucky, um, but it's stressful. (laughs) You know, it adds pressure because there, I get a lot of messages from people who really do love these books. It's amazing. Um, And I don't want to let them down, you know, so I feel a little sense of pressure, which maybe is a good thing. You know, Um, there was a long time when I didn't know if I was going to write a third, book the second book has a very satisfying ending and part of me thought you know maybe that's it maybe that's good enough and i it's good to know when to walk away you know but i just couldn't stop thinking about raz and about these characters and about the different like what how their lives would unfold and before long i just realized that i had to go back for more and i had to write another wild robot story because i had this idea that i was really excited about and so i approached it with um I don't know. I mean, I was excited and, but I was also kind of cautious because I was like, you know, it's not enough that I'm, I have this idea. It's gotta be good. It's gotta be up to the standard of the first two books. It's gotta, it's gotta, I, I need the reader. I want the readers to love book three as much as they loved the other books. And so, you know, I kind of took my time, but eventually I realized that I had what I thought were the ingredients of a, of a pretty good story. And so I, I went for it.
0: So with the wild robot. Books being illustrated novels. Are you writing and sketching side by side together, notebook, trap on a computer? Like, what does that draft, drafting process, planning process look like?
1: Well, basically, the way I start every book, whether it's a novel or a picture book, is I do this thing called story mapping. You know, I'm a, I'm a visual person and I, I think visually. And so it helps me to organize my thoughts in a visual way. So I just I kind of write down all these little nuggets of ideas, little moments that could happen in the story. And I get them all in a big, you know, I have a sketchbook, and I'll just write all these little ideas and circle them all. And I kind of start drawing arrows from one idea to the next as I slowly but surely start working out the order of events in the plot of the story. Um, I started doing that with picture books, and I found it was really helpful for this for for the wild robot books also. I just do a lot more of them. <laughs> you know, I'll do I'll do a big story map for the whole big story. I'll do a story map for each chapter or for a scene that might involve a few chapters or or whatever. It's not like it's a kind of a hard process to explain, but it's just it makes it makes the story make a little more sense to me when I can see different things laid out. And I can easily kind of compare and contrast two possible moments, you know, and maybe I decide I like one better than the other. And so by doing that over and over again. I come up with a pretty clear understanding of what I want to happen in the plot. And then I'll move on to making an outline of the story. And it's only when I feel like the outline is in really good shape that I'll then start actually writing the words. Um, Because time is precious, and I don't want to spend as I want to spend as little time as possible writing stuff that doesn't make it into the book, right? So I, I, I try to plan it as much as I can. And then when I'm feeling good, I'll start writing the words. And I usually don't even start sketching until I've got the words in a pretty good place. Because once again, um, I don't want to spend a ton of time sketching scenes that don't actually make it into the finished book also. Um, This is all just time management stuff right there, because the fact is these books take a really long time. And so I've got to find any way possible to kind of cut that time down. I'm a slow writer. I'm a slow reader, I'm a slow writer, I'm a slow illustrator. Everything I do is pretty slow. (laughs) And so I've got to just be smart about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the way the process unfolds for me.
0: Has it gotten easier? I don't know if that's the right word. As you have now done this multiple times?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm easier. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say what's easier, Mm -hmm. but I'm more confident. (laughs) When I was writing the first Wild Robot book, I really felt... Unsure of myself, and not that not that I'm filled with confidence now, but I've done it a couple of times, so at least I can say, you know what, book one, I was really doubting myself, but I pulled through, and I'm pretty proud of the finished result. Book two really kicked my butt, but I figured it out, and now here I am in book three, and it's really hard, but you know what, I figured it out twice, so maybe I'll do it again, and that little experience that I've got helps helps me kind of get through the tough times, you know.
0: Um. So, how long did it take for to make each book? The
1: first book took a really long time because I, I had the idea for the story years ago when I was working on a picture book called The Curious Garden. That book came out in mm-hmm. two thousand nine, so that's a while ago. Okay. And I had that idea for just just an idea about a robot in the wilderness. Um, and then for years, I was working on picture books, and then in my free time, kind of tinkering with this idea of a robot in the wilderness. And then, you know reading books about robotics and, you know, doing, watching documentaries or, or watching science fiction and just kind of thinking about this idea that I had. Um, but then eventually I had, I got serious about the wild robot and I spent about two years writing and illustrating it. And then I spent maybe a year and a half, something around there, writing and illustrating the second book and about the same for the third book. So okay. that seems to be a year and a half seems to be my process for these novels.
0: So uh, during this year and a half, two years to create one of these books, are you working like completely alone for large portions of it? (laughs) Are you bringing other people in to like look and to talk about it as you're going? What's that collaborative portion of the book look like?
1: Well, I have an editor, of course, who Mm -hmm. will, I'll share my work with her. but I don't really share it with anybody else. I have friends who have writer's groups and they seem to get a lot of value out of that. And I can see why, but for some reason I haven't tried or tried to make that happen for myself. Um, you know, there's all sorts of probably psychological explanations about why I work the way that I do, but I feel like a certain, um, what's the word? Like I'm not, oozing with confidence, right? And so I feel (laughs) like I need to get it to a certain level before I want to share it with anybody. And um, which is silly, because people seeing it earlier will probably help save me time, because they might point out something that's not working that I don't Mm -hmm. realize until months later. So I really need to get over it. But whatever the case is, no, the answer is no, I don't really share it with anybody aside from my editor.
0: And where in the process do you bring it to your editor.
1: Well, for this, you know, usually I work on the story a bit on my own just to kind of see if I've got something, you know, before I even mention it to my editor. And then I'll come to a point where I think, you know, this seems like it has potential, but I don't want to invest too much time in it if it's not going to end up working out. So I'll send a, a rough, a pretty early rough version to her, or maybe even, I think actually for the Wild Robot Protects, I sent her just a synopsis. It was probably okay. just a few paragraphs. And I was like, what do you think? And her reaction will decide (laughs) what happens next. Like, if she's excited, then I'm like, all right, then I dive into it. If she's maybe not less excited, then I really reevaluate and wonder if maybe this is what I want to do. But so, yeah, I try to get her to kind of sign off on it as early as possible. Because, again, I don't these things take so much time that I don't want to invest too much time before she's excited about it.
0: Now you say that you're slow at creating these books. Are you slow like you work slow, or are you like inefficient? because I'm t- I'm <laughs> so inefficient, yeah, but I can, like are like what is like a typical day in the creator life of Peter Brown look like?
1: It's incredibly inefficient yeah <laughs> i I constantly think because I studied illustration, I went to undergrad. I I went to college and studied illustration, which was great. I didn't study writing. I mean, I took a creative writing class or two in college, but, you know, I I constantly look around at at other authors and I'm like, man, they really know what they're doing. And I am just faking it until I make it kind of a thing. You know, like I, and, and, and so I'm like, there's gotta be like a process. There's probably things like a system for organizing your notes and for organizing your thoughts. There's probably like, I'm, 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 and here I am like reinventing the wheel, you know, and so I'm, I'm very inefficient. I constantly ask my like real author friends, as I call them, if I should, I don't know, maybe go back to school and get like a master's degree in writing or something. And they're always like, no, you're already getting published. Like there would be no point. Just learn on the job. Be glad that you can learn on the job. And, and they're right. I am really lucky that I get to work this way. But anyway, it's not efficient. So, um, I, you know, like I said, I start off by story mapping and then outlining and then I start writing eventually and sketching and so on a, on a given day, it kind of depends where I am in that process. But if I'm really in the in the thick of it when I'm writing, you know I'll wake up and I'll have some coffee and then pretty quickly I'll sit down at my computer because if I'm doing things right, I'm excited to get to my computer and get back to work. That's not always the case; sometimes I mm-hmm. dread it because it's, things are not working, and I'll just sit at my computer, yeah, alone <laughs> for hours, you know, and um you know, my wife works from home also. She's also an author and illustrator and we have a dog. And so like when I need to stretch my legs, I can go see what they're up to. And, um, you know, that's a nice little break, but I spend a lot of time just at my desk typing away, or maybe if I get burned out, I might spend a day watching documentary films that are related to what I'm working on. Um, a lot of my research is done with documentaries. Um, and Eventually, I'll move on to the art making part of the process. And like I said, I save that towards the end when I really feel pretty solid about where the, what the different scenes that are going to be in the finished story. And then I'll start sketching. The nice thing about watching documentary films for my research is that I get inspiration not just for the story and for the science behind the story, um, but also for imagery. You know, I'll watch a, a documentary like uh, Blue Planet all about, you know, the ocean ocean life around the world. And I'm getting all sorts of ideas for characters and for maybe even bits of dialogue or whatever. And I'm seeing these amazing scenes, right? And so then I'll pause it and I'll do some sketching. So when I'm watching these documentary films, I'm, it's like all the gears in my head are working at the same time. And I'm, I'm writing and then I put my note, notes down and I'll pick up my sketchbook and I'll start sketching. And I'm kind of going back and forth. And it's, it's fun and exciting, um, but it can also be kind of exhausting because like my brain is on overdrive as I'm watching those films.
0: So you invest all this time, year and a half, you're watching documentaries, you're doing your design arrows to like plan it out. You write the book, your editor gives you feedback, you revise it, eventually you have a finished book. What is it like when you turn that book in and you're done with something you've spent a year? In a half of your life, on is it hard to know what to do next? Do you take some time? Is it hard to jump into another project? What's that transition like? That sounds so hard.
1: It is hard. Yeah. It's weird because it seems like who cares, right? You just move on to the next thing. But, um, but my whole life has revolved around this story world for a year and a half or more. And so, to suddenly kind of remove myself from that state of mind is a little jarring. And honestly, there are times when I'll finish a book and I feel kind of depressed for a couple of weeks because I just don't quite know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. And, And being kind of adrift like that makes me feel like I'm wasting time and like I've got other projects I want to make, but I can't really focus my thoughts on anything else. I'm just sort of in this weird little... Like zone of of just kind of floating through life for a couple of weeks, and it it, sometimes it's nice. Like when I finished The Wild Robot, protects it was the first novel I finished where I finished it and I just enjoyed that process, that 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 space that I suddenly had. You know, like I just took a day off and I just like watched a couple of movies, and I never let myself do that. But I was just like, you know what, you're not going to be productive anyway. I knew that, so I was like, lean into that and just have fun. Like take a day off and go for a hike or whatever. And so I gave myself this time um, probably a week or two to just do whatever I felt like doing. And -hmm. then after two weeks, I was like, okay, I got that out of my system. Now it's time to move on to the next thing. you know.
0: And then because you finish it, but then you're not really talking about it because we're talking today as the book is about to come out. And how long ago did you finish the book?
1: Uh, I finished... (laughs) my publisher will want me to be careful how I answer this question because <laughs> I do things in a way that I think they really don't like um, ah. because I'm the author and the illustrator. Typically you hand over the manuscript, the text far in advance, maybe a year before pub date. And then the illustrator's involved and the, they're handing in artwork and then they're getting comments and feedback. And so the art's changing and, um, and I'm doing both. <laughs> so sometimes what I'll do is when they're giving me feedback on the art, I'll be like, well, since we're revisiting this big book file, maybe we could tweak some of this wording in chapter 33. And I've got some ideas for this chapter here. And before you know it, it's like, I've almost, I've got a whole list of things I want to change about the text. They hate that. So if, if you're uh, any authors out there watching me, probably don't do that. They don't like it. It's, and it, and it puts pressure on everybody because it's the crunch time. Like the, there's the, like the drop dead date when they have to get the book off to the printer and like, I, I get dangerously close to that date. Ugh. So it's a messy process. That's the end of that's That's the, really the moral of the story is I am not an elegant writer or illustrator. You know, I, I've seen talks given by real like seasoned professionals, you know, like Jane Yolen. I'll hear Jane Yolen give a talk about writing and my God, she knows how to write. Like she is a professional <laughs> and she knows this craft inside and out. And it's really a pleasure to listen to her talk about her writing process. I dream of someday having that level of kind of wherewithal to be able to just understand myself and my own writing process and creative process to do it in an efficient way, the way that she does. But I'm just I'm also rambling here. I don't even remember what the question was. I apologize. Well
0: I guess the new question <laughs> is when when you get it all figured out like Jane Nolan will will you be giving a talk? where you can...
1: Will just, I be giving a talk? Yes,
0: will you be giving the Jane Yolen talk oh, when you man. get
1: there? Ho- someday, I really hope to someday be anywhere near her level of uh, expertise, have her level of expertise at writing because, I mean, she's really, she's really um, incredible and um, she's like a real author <laughs> and yeah. I'm just sort of trying hard and figuring it out as I go. But, uh, you know, the, pro- the, the, tr- the fact of the matter is I'm such a perfectionist that I don't hand over the story until I feel really good about it. And I'm pretty I'm a real nitpicky person when it comes to other stories and movies and everything else. And so like I don't hand it over until it's in a pretty good shape, you know, because I can I know what's good and what's not good. And it just takes me a lot longer to get my story to the point where I think it's pretty good. Whereas somebody like Jane Yolan, I think she can probably get her story to pretty good uh, pretty fast.
0: Now are would are you proud of, of these books?
1: I am I'm proud of these books. I'm really proud of these books. You know, they were hard, and they really forced me to work in new ways and to sort of reevaluate my creative process. And um, they they really pushed me. Um, and I always I always loved the idea, the kind of core concept of a robot becoming almost more natural and wild than a person ever could. And how this robot character, Roz, would, would use that to help these places and these characters and animals that she meets and loves. You know, there's just something unexpected about that and, and, and poignant. And I always knew that there was something special there for me. What was a real unknown for me was whether or not anybody else would care about it. Um, and so I am proud of, I would have been proud of them no matter what, but to to get the response that the books have gotten has been unbelievably gratifying.
0: Would you say that you've been surprised by it at all?
1: Yeah, definitely surprised. Uh, I remember before the first book came out, sitting, having coffee with my editor and being like, what do you think? Do you think people are going <laughs> to like this thing? Like, what have I just done? Is this good? Like, and she was like, Peter, I think what you've done is really good. Um, whether or not people like it, there's no way to tell. It could, mm-hmm. it, could, it could get horrible reviews. It could get great reviews. She's like, I really don't know. She's like, I, I, I don't know either what the reaction is <laughs> going to be to this book. And so we've both been pretty happily surprised, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What is your hope for The Wild Robot Protects?
1: <laughs> my hope. I guess my hope is for it to live up to the first two books for readers to connect with it the way that they have the first two books and um, you know, but it's all just dealing with new subjects. Obviously there's some similar themes throughout all the books, but this is a book that really, I think touches on the idea of the kind of the interconnectedness of life on our planet, you know, the way that things in the ocean can affect things on land and even things in the sky and how, and so my, I guess one of my hopes is that readers will, will, will read this book and, have a kind of a new appreciation for just how connected everything is you know and and maybe feel a little bit of a greater sense of responsibility to i don't know look after the planet look after each other you know because um it matters and we all kind of have to do our part in order to take care of this place that we call home
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Philip Stead for taking the time to chat with me about The Wild Robot Protects. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to my co-host and friend, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. Travis's new book, Just One Flake, publishes October 10th. Be sure to pick up a copy. I just read it. It's wonderful. You will love it. It will make you so excited and joyous about winter. I can't wait for that first snow. Maybe I can wait just a little bit longer. My name is Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.